welcome to Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. And today we are just going to jump right in and I'm hopefully going to try to weave the two episodes together from this weekend, Monday and Wednesday, a little bit, because there is so much correlation between what we talked about on Monday, how God cultivates our heart. And we looked at the parable of the four soils. We looked at the, uh, the parable of the 10 virgins about being prepared. And we also looked at Proverbs chapter four, where it talks about guarding our heart because from it flow the springs of life. And so the heart is a very central theme of all of scripture. And I always tend to say this as well, is as you read scripture, read it with the mind of a father's heart being written to you so that you could understand who he is, because one of his greatest desires is for you to know who he is. And I often, when I'm reading the word or when I think of scripture, the actual physical book, uh, letters, everything that compiles into scriptures, I often get this image in my heart and in my mind of a heart. Uh, because it expresses the heart of God. And as I read it, I often try to take on his heart and to cultivate his heart so that my heart can become more like his. We looked at the potter, uh, the, the story from Jeremiah about the potter and the wheel and uh, the potter and the clay, sorry, and how our heart is often like the clay and the potter's hand forming it around us. In Ezekiel, it talked about uh, our father uh, giving us a new heart and a new spirit. And that's the power of when we receive Christ is that we're given a new heart, a heart of flesh, uh, a heart of the spirit and discern things now according to the spirit. And so then on Wednesday, we talked about gr uh, a growth mindset and what some of the things that, that I've done and that as I've seen in other people's life and I see throughout the people of scripture is that we have to be people who are always willing and intentional about growing. So it's not having a stagnant mindset where we stay stuck in the ways that we've always known but we're always progressive and going deeper into the heart of God, uh, discovering more of who he is and wanting to grow. And I share just a couple practical ways in which you do that. Uh, like, for example, of reading God's word, getting uh, more mature people in our lives and different giftings uh, around us so that we can begin to see that expression of God's nature by praying through worship. There are so many different avenues that if we're intentional, our growth will expand us and we'll continue to have this hunger that God puts in us to really experience more of who God is. And so today we're just going to dive in. I've got several scriptures up front along with an illustration that I think is going to kind of help you understand uh, this whole process of, of meditating and setting the Lord before us. So let's just dive right in. First Samuel 16, 7, when the prophet Samuel was looking for the next king after Saul, he goes and he's looking at um, all of these individuals and he's processing it with the spirit of God. And he's asking, is this the one? And there's many times where Samuel thought this is the one that God surely would anoint as king, but he was obedient to that voice inside, which was that internal voice of God. And he said, no. 
And so the last person Samuel comes to is the person David. And David is off in the she uh, fields shepherding his father's flock. And as he's drawn into Samuel, the Lord reveals to him, yes, this is the one that I've chosen. And in 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says that God looks at the heart of man and not the outward appearance. And I know I've been so thankful for that simple phrase, and I'm encouraged and I'm strengthened to know that he doesn't look at all the external things that the world system usually does. God's looking at your heart, and you can be encouraged today that God looks at our heart. And Paul in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 5 says that we now learn to discern other people uh, through the spirit and not the way we used to through the eyes of the flesh. So that's a great transition and a mark of our maturity and our transformation is learning to see people the way that God does with the very heart of God in mind. And so that gives us a great evidence of our transformation when we're able to live from that place in God's heart where we love those around us and we want them to be restored and redeemed and reconciled to the father heart of God. So be encouraged and we'll kind of start as that uh, start there uh, in terms of where we go today. And I want to bring us uh, to, into the awareness of another scripture in the Old Testament from Solomon, who I've mentioned really resonates with me because Solomon was full of wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 3, uh, and in several other places in Proverbs, if you just go through and read Proverbs, starting in chapter 1 all the way through, you hear Solomon say this so many times, to cherish God's word, his instructions onto our heart. And he often equates our heart as being a tablet. And in Proverbs 7, 3, he says, treasure my words and instructions and cherish them in your heart. And there have been many times over the course of my life where I've had images and uh, visions of a heart. And I could give you several examples of those different things. But uh, one of the most common ones is that this image of a burning heart and it being like the substance of clay where God's finger just begins to come around us, often like that image of God being the potter and where the clay and he just starts to uh, shape us and form us in a very gentle way um, where he knows what we're supposed to look like and what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to be. And so just humbling ourselves and allowing his hands to put us in the direction that we need to go and having an image of that burning heart, it's like the finger of God just becomes to, uh, with fire and he just etches his word in his heart. And I've often seen an image of a heart and just a finger, often I see it as the finger of God just ever so gently writing, but as he writes, it becomes in, in, uh, blazed and embedded into our heart. And so it's there because his word also says that we must know it in our hearts and get it into our spirit. Another image that I've had is like, if you've ever worked with wood and you etch something into it or you burn it into the wood, it's there permanently. And what I've heard the Lord say to me so many times is that I'm concerned with the heart and the culture of our heart. That's why I said on Monday that the parable of the four soils is such a foundational 
aspect to understanding God and his kingdom because he's concerned and his eyes are on our heart. And when we give our heart to him, we allow him to put his finger, his hands on it and begin to etch his word into our heart and it becomes permanent. And now his word is guiding our heart. So I want to take you to another place because our heart is often tied into our thinking and through our language. I remember there was once a commercial for a credit card that said life is voice activated. And so there's a connection between our thinking being renewed and the culture of our heart through the words that come out of our mouth. Because in the New Testament, Jesus says that from the heart, flow our words and our language so that what we speak is often a reflection of what is going on deep within our heart. And so usually as I'm meeting new people and I'm, I'm listening to their language, I'm listening to what they're saying because our words, our language often give um, a reflection of our deep beliefs and our convictions in the state of our heart. And so another evidence of transformation is that there is a softening in our heart and it comes through in our language. But in Psalm 42, verses one and two, there's a power in our words. And even Solomon says in Proverbs after 18, verse 21, the tongue the power of life and death. And as we speak forth our words, they're either bringing life or they're bringing death over ourselves and over other people. And so it's very important to understand what's going on in our hearts, that our heart is good soil, that we're receiving the truth seeds that we talked about on Monday and not the lie seeds from the enemy. And so letting them take root in our heart. But I want to go to a place in Psalms, Psalm 42, verses 1 through 2. And I just want you to hear that uh, is echoes Solomon's words, that there is uh, the power of life or death in our tongue. Psalm 41, 42, 45, verse 1 says this, that my heart is on fire, boiling over with passion, bubbling up within me are these beautiful lyrics as a lovely poem to be sung for the king. Like a river bursting its banks, I'm overflowing with words spilling out into this sacred story. My heart is on fire, boiling over with passion, bubbling within me, beautiful lyrics of a lovely poem sung for the king. Like a river bursting its banks, I'm overflowing with words, spilling out into this sacred story. Those are That's a great image of a river overflowing its bank. When our heart is soft, the river of God begins to flow within us until it becomes overflowing, that a new song rises up because you can't contain it because of the joy you have of living in connection and right relationship with the Lord. And then in verse two, he says, beautiful, beautiful, beyond the sons of men, elegant grace pours out through every word that you speak. God's words, through his word, deep into our heart, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, his words are beautiful. They're eloquent. They're, they fill us with a sense of life. And I love that imagery is that it says grace pours out through every word that he speaks. His words are full of grace. 
And he says, truly, God has anointed you, his favored one for eternity. You are his favored one. And his grace extends, giving you the ability and the strength to become something that you once weren't. David is a prime example. He had a lot of flaws. He had things where he messed up. But yet he was always a man, it says in Psalm 27. He says, the one thing that I seek is to be in your presence and to see your face. I often read Psalm 27 and just let it become the cry of my heart. The one thing that I want and desire is an undivided heart to see the beauty of the Lord in all of its fullness, beauty, and glory, and majesty. I pray that for you today. Because if you come to that place of seeking him as the one thing in life, just like Paul did in Philippians 3, that in everything else, nothing compares to seeing Christ, to knowing him, and to experience him in your life. This is what it means to have the Lord constantly set before us, looking to him for our guidance, our comfort, our peace, and our joy, because he's always glad to be with us. And he's right there next to you, even in this moment, as you're watching or listening to this. I want to go back to some of the things I talked about on Wednesday, where we've got to cultivate a growth mindset. One of the places that I said was being a person of the word and having this desire and this hunger to know more of God and to go deeper into his presence than we've been before. And we can't have this stagnant uh, mindset where we're not willing to put in the time and the energy and the effort of listening. I want to just give you some examples that I've seen in my own life and also in the lives of those around me where we often think that transformation or the desires of our heart to change just naturally, uh, instantaneously happen overnight. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you were uh, wanting to be really good in the subject of math, putting your math book under your pillow at night and waking up and hoping that all the data, all of the ability to understand mathematics just magically was uh, through osmosis into your brain now is a part of who you are. And now all of a sudden you can just do math. That's often the approach that we take in reading scripture and through prayer is that we expect it to happen all in one encounter when the Lord moves a lot slower than we often desire or want to see happen because we can have these longings in our heart, but we need to learn to be sensitive and to stay in the places that God has us and allow his process of development to run its course because uh, the pruning, the refining that often happens in order to produce more fruit and to become more pure takes a lot more time that requires our energy and our effort. So I want to give you two examples just in my own life of ways that I've learned to read scripture and to process these things in, in the language of prayer. Is for so long in my life, I, I came to the word of God and I just kind of saw it as a book where I could just get information about the overall story of what Christianity is about and that could just tell me the things that I would need. And it was more information based where I was trying to get meaning and logically understand it where that's not the way God often works. 
He wants us to experience his word. And when we come to his word, it has to get deep inside of us. That's where it comes back to our heart being the soil where that seed can grow. Because when you plant a seed and water it, it doesn't automatically just grow up into full maturity and start producing fruit. It requires several other things in the atmosphere that it needs um, through care, and it just takes time. And so one of the ways that I've learned to read scripture, as opposed to just trying to read through it as quickly as you can, is to sit and to meditate on it. And I'm going to go in uh, tomorrow and do a bonus episode on just what meditation is uh, in scripture. And I want to just give you a resource and read something over you that I think will help you uh, in the process of how to really meditate God's word, because it's not just coming to it in reading it once and being done with it. We got to constantly come back to it and allow it to shape us and to shift us and to make us think differently about something. One of the things I'm absolutely amazed at through God's word is that as we get older and as we have different experiences in life, we can come back and read the same passage. But an image that I had this morning and even preparing was like of a never-ending well. In John 4 and 7, Jesus talks about being the living water. And in John 4, he meets the woman at the well where he draws the source of water. And our spirit is often equivalent of that well. And it's a relationship with Jesus that allows us to draw deeper meaning and understanding, discernment and wisdom. And as we tap into and attune our thoughts uh, with God, it's like he gives us this ability and his word becomes this bottomless well where you thought you've understood the meaning of a certain story, a parable, an interaction, a relationship in the word, but yet your circumstances and situations now give more meaning and context to that scripture. And you can read the same scripture over and over and over, and it just begins to become more apparent of how it applies to your life. And it changes something in you and it connects with you at a new level. And that's the amazing thing about who God is, is that his, he's limitless in what he can give us through his grace. And so I want to encourage you to come to this place of reading his word. And, and one of the approaches that I've often heard from one of my mentors is simply this. When you come to a passage that is really meaningful to you, don't just read it and move on to the next thing, but read it. David did this in the Psalms. The word selah in Hebrew meant to stop and to pause. So a lot of times when I'm reading the word, I'll simply step back, take a pause, and just ask the Holy Spirit, how do you want to speak this to me? What is it that you want me to know? And I'll just sit there for several days in that one passage or in that one verse I've taken weeks to unpack one thing. Uh, maybe it's one verse that was speaking to me and I took a week or two and I just began to journal and I would write down songs and I would just start singing them out loud about this one scripture. There's many creative ways of doing this. And I want to give you an illustration that I recently heard as well. And growing up in the Midwest, uh, you often know about cattle. And cattle are kind of a fascinating uh, animal. 
uh, if you want to call them that. They don't seem too bright. They don't seem too brilliant. But in terms of meditation, there's something uh, in this analogy that I think will really help you to understand what it is that God wants us to be about when we come to communicating with him, to listening to his voice, to reading his word. Because if you've ever seen a cow eat, you understand that uh, it often chews it uh, and then it regurgitates it at a later time and it begins to chew it again because cattle have two stomachs. And so you may see them out feeding in a pasture on grass and they begin to chew it. And then five, six hours later, uh, you come back and you see that cow uh, not having bent down and start chewing other grass, but it's still chewing that same grass. And the word, Hebrew word for meditate is actually to chew the cud. And this is what cattle do. And so as they began to chew it again, they're getting everything out of it so that they can be fully nurtured and to be full. And I love that analogy because it's often the way that we have to come to the word of God, reading something, coming back to it, meditating on it more, chewing on it and letting it shape us. And the place where I got this analogy was of a guy named Michael Dalton. And you can look up his podcast. Uh, he, it's called Yes Ministries. And I believe it's the episode where he talks about uh, kingdom identity and kingdom perception. And if you go to that, he unpacks this idea of uh, our heart being a tablet and the power of our tongue. But this is the analogy of the cow and where I got it from. And so I got to give credit where credit is due because it really helped me understand our approach to the word of God, coming to him hungry and chewing on it. And a few other things that I just want us to kind of be aware of in this episode, um, getting people around us and having a community where we can actually practice these things that we're learning about in his word, that we begin to verbally share them with other people. Because when you have a community that is safe and has trusting relationships, uh, you're required to actually put what you're learning and what you're reading into action. Because so many times, especially in Western culture, we read something for information that we're tested on it. And then we get a grade based on what we're able to basically regurgitate and remember and recall where years down the road, it doesn't get in us. And we may have aced different tests on that material, but it doesn't mean that it's in us. And when we have to come back to it at a later time, mathematics, for example, you may have forgot how to do that or how to solve it. And now you're at a loss because it hasn't become part of who you are. And that's the way God's word works. We must always come back to it. And when it's buried deep in our heart, our thinking begins to change. Our perspective of how we see the world around us begins to change. And now the language that we're speaking, you notice a difference in it because all these things, our perception, our language, our thinking, our heart culture is now transformed in its kingdom. It's God's kingdom manifesting in us through our sight, through our thinking and speaking, and now the condition of our heart. And what you're going to see come out of your life is going to be multiplied. 
as it was in that parable of the soils, where it says 30, 60, or 100 fold. So our ability to live from our heart and to renew our thinking in the language that we speak are the fruit and the outcome of the impact of our leadership and our giftings is going to be multiplied. And we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come about the understanding God's kingdom and how it works. But for today, I just want to draw our attention back to the posture of our heart being central and being able to just meditate or sit at the feet of Jesus. And I'll close this episode with this, the story of Mary and Martha that's recorded in Luke chapter 10 and John chapter 12. I love the person of Mary in scripture. And if you go back to Luke chapter eight, verses one through three, it talks about some of the women who Allison traveled, traveled with the disciples and a lot of times we don't know the backstory of the disciples and the apostles. And hopefully through this podcast that you've been starting to see some of those things. But Mary, it said, was a person that was uh, demon possessed. And that when Jesus encountered her, set her free of the oppression that she was under. And I referenced earlier this week, a series called The Chosen that depicts the life of the, uh, the apostles and the disciples and the ministry and person of Jesus Christ. And I love in the very first episode of The Chosen, they capture this beautiful. And I even just watched that scene again before I got on here. And every time I watch it, I get moved to tears and my heart begins to burn because it shows Mary and everything that she's troubled with uh, it shows that she had been prayed for by a lot of the Pharisees in that time, and they couldn't heal her. And so there was this ongoing oppression and um, influence of these demons that were over her life. And as she's leaving this pub uh, where she had been drinking, she leaves and Jesus comes and is pursuing her. And she says, I want nothing to do with you. And she begins to walk away. And she says, leave me alone. And Jesus just gently follows her and walks behind her. And Mary turns around, or no, Mary stops because Jesus says her name, Mary, and even says where she's from. And she's holding a cup at the time and she drops the cup because Jesus has just spoken a word of knowledge because she had not revealed her name. She hadn't no, Jesus had no way other than to know through his father and the connection he had with his father who this woman was. And yet she drops the cup and she turns around and she says, how do you know my name? How do you know who I am? And Jesus looks at her. And she says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And Jesus begins to speak words of life into her heart and says, Mary, I've redeemed you. I've restored you. And as he's saying this, he's walking one step closer to Mary. And as he gets right next to her, face to face, he says, I've healed you, Mary. And he puts his arms and hands, puts his hands over Mary's head like this. And you can see that she's being delivered from this demonic oppression. And she 
loses uh, loses her balance and she's just in awe because this is fleeing a weight, a burden, an oppression that is now free through the physical touch of Jesus. This is the backstory of Mary. And so when we get to this story in Luke 10 and John 12 of the accounts of what happened where Mary and Martha were preparing for a meal that Jesus was present. And Jesus is going around talking to people, getting to know them. I'm sure laughing with them. Martha is distracted and she wants to get everything ready and prepared. And Mary is just sitting there, it says, at the feet of Jesus, undistracted, fully aware and present in the moment because she doesn't want to miss anything because she knows the power of who is before them. And when Martha comes in full of distraction, it's a great picture of a lot of times the way when Jesus is in our presence that we live our lives. And Martha calls this out and says, aren't you concerned? Aren't you angry or upset or frustrated because my sister Mary isn't helping prepare for the guests in Jesus simply in gentleness and kindness as Martha. Mary has chosen the right thing because I am here and she's undistracted. I think that's the posture we often have to have when we're fully engaged with the person of Jesus is that we must let go of our distraction. We must look within our heart and allow God's hands to form our heart, which is clay, to put his finger on it and to burn his word inside of us so that we become deep, more deeply connected to who he is, giving a new heart, giving a new spirit, where we become obedient to his voice and his voice alone. Being prepared like the 10 virgins were and having people around us where we can practice these things are all ways in which we prepare our heart and we allow the spirit of God to shape us and direct us and to lead us. Mention this uh, uh, community and these relationships around us where we can practice. That's what the disciples had. And the model and the example they looked to was Jesus. Earlier in history, this was a lot more evident than it was in our culture today about this way they went about discipling and when Jesus called the disciples having followers was often he would call them and they would come as apprentices and they would follow and watch and then be empowered and released to go and do the same thing because there was a relational aspect that created safety and they could trust each other and they were given grace that even if they messed up they were restored by one another they were loved by each other. And I often heard this from one of the guys I love to listen to in his teaching where he said, we must cry out in private and be built up and encouraged in our spirit in private so that we can take risks in public. Guys, we've got to do something with what we're reading. We can't just read it, but when we read it and you meditate on it, God's going to give you plenty of opportunities to put that into practice because we're not meant to, he doesn't give it to us just to sit on it and do nothing with it. So many times we have this uh, Christian consumerism mentality where we just consume, consume, consume. And this is one of the things that I've got to honestly be careful with as well 
because as I shared on Wednesday, some of my giftings through the strength finders was to, uh, I was a learner. I love to gather data and information and to be able to teach it. And so I can get this consumer mindset where I'm taking and taking and taking in, but if it doesn't get in my heart and start to manifest in the fruit of my life and the influence and the impact of my life, it's really not doing any good. And for so many of us, Christianity is about looking good on the outside, like the whitewashed tomb that's talked about on in scripture, where we can coat a tomb and make it look real good, but we're still dead inside. Or it's like washing the outside of a cup while the inside is still dirty. Guys, the Lord looks into our heart and spirit, and that's the place where he connects with us. So I want to encourage you with that, to surrender your heart in the coming weeks and even today and constantly be coming back before the Lord and giving him that place where we surrender, where we become obedient to his leadership. And we're always keeping the Lord before us. Because if you live from this posture, just like Psalm 45 verses one through two said that there's going to be a constant song on your lips coming forth. You're going to be grateful. You're going to be appreciative. And when you've got people around you, you can trust and you have safety in. You can practice these things. And as you practice them, God's going to build on them. He's going to expand on them. But it's like when we sit there and we keep it all in, just like when you're eating too much and you just consume, 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 what happens is you get sick and you vomit it out and you don't hold down what you actually took in. And so now your body doesn't have those nutrients to build in a healthy way for your body to function. Just like going to lift weights as well as another analogy you might use. You can go to the gym and you can work out, work out, work out, but your body needs food to replenish and to strengthen the muscles that you're actually trying to work and to get bigger. Guys, we have to use and apply the word of God in order for more of his presence to become available, more of his character, more of our maturing that takes place through utilizing what he's put in us and what he's revealing to us. So I hope this has been helpful about drawing some connections. And next week, we're going to take a little bit deeper of a dive into some of these ways that God reveals himself to us in more practical ways that you can develop yourself with this heart culture and this mindset to be able to experience more of God, because that's one of my greatest goals in this podcast and on this YouTube channel is to give you tools and help motivate and inspire you um, that would give you a hope that would encourage you so that you, you personally can connect with the Lord and have ongoing encounters and develop a lifestyle that is built on the foundation of Christ and that in every aspect of your life, you're connecting, you're seeing the Lord, you're hearing him and your language begins to, to shift. So join me tomorrow as I'll do a quick little uh, thing on meditation and then next week, join me on Monday. So God bless and God's strength today.